Love some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, welcome back to another week of the Frontier Freedom Hour. We've got so much to cover. If you've missed anything that we've been talking about, especially we did two dedicated podcasts on Israel and what's happening there. We talked with Chancellor Dr. Donald Sweeting, the Chancellor of Colorado Christian University, about kind of growing anti-Semitism on college campuses. That's on our blog podcast page at FrontierFreedomRadio.com. We also spoke with Dr. Tom Copeland, who's an expert in international affairs, security issues. He's written about Gaza and Hamas and Israel, and we kind of dove into the security challenges that Israel faced there. So we did a whole 20 minutes on that. If you want the details on that, go to FrontierFreedomRadio.com. Today, we're going to talk with Tim Malash about kind of the new stories coming out of Israel, President Biden's address to the nation. What did he say there? What is he asking for? What does he want America to do in light of all this? And if you're listening to us for the very first time, welcome. We cover issues facing the Western United States from a Christian conservative perspective. Michael Geronimo Arpaio runs the board for us, and I'm the chief wagon boss, Jeff Hunt. All right, let's dive into it. Tim Malash, Biola University adjunct faculty in Biola's political science department. He's been writing all about this. Great substack. Now, for all of you older folks who don't know what that substack is, it's like they combined blogs and emails. It's a great place to get good information. And if you go to timtalkspolitics.substack.com, you can read all about that. So, Tim, thanks so much for being on the show with us. Thanks so much. Really appreciate being here to talk about this subject. It uh, means a lot to me. And uh, and also, I need to just compliment you on the uh, on your intro to this show. I love the Cowboys. Great John Wayne film. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you have you been given a cowboy name? A lot of times we give folks cowboy names. Maybe we'll have to come up. That'll be the goal by the end of the show. We'll come up with a cowboy name for you. But oh, do you have a cowboy name yet? I don't have one yet, no. <laughs> so Tim Malash, uh, Biola University, he's got his PhD at Claremont Graduate University. His PhD is in uh, philosophy in the political science and government arena. So Tim, give us, people generally understand what happened now about a week ago. Was it now two weeks ago? No, it was a week ago. It's been two weeks. Two actually. weeks. October 7th, yeah. Wow, okay, so two weeks Jews waking up early Saturday morning, all of a sudden, like literally bros in paragliders coming down, uh, rockets raining down, bombs going off at the walls, and this mass terrorist attack takes place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, give us kind of a general overview in the next, uh, next few minutes about where, what happened and how did the Jews find themselves in this position? Yeah, well, that's a that's a really big question to uh, approach uh, to hit, and I'll actually refer listeners uh, back to the initial interview you did with Tom. I listened to that one and uh, thought he outlined kind of like some of the um, some of the security and intelligence breakdowns uh, for Israel that kind of like left them exposed to the this attack. I mean, I think there's definitely going to be a lot that gets discussed and evaluated in the in the days and weeks and maybe even months uh, following this. Uh, but where we stand um, 
now, I think what what people are wrestling with, and especially um, in Israel, but even in foreign capitals around the world, is kind of this this threat that never went away: the threat of um, radical Islamic uh, Islamist uh, terrorism. Uh, never went away. Uh, we kind of thought it went away when we kind of, I don't know, kind of got rid of most of ISIS or at least tamped it down and pushed it out. And um, certainly the Biden administration has done a pretty good job of, you know, putting their fingers in their ears uh, post-Afghanistan uh, <laughs> of just ignoring that, like, hey, these groups are still out there. You know, ISIS is still out there. Al-Qaeda is still out there. Taliban is still out there. And we kind of tend to forget that Hamas and Hezbollah are, are part of that constellation. Now, these groups don't all like each other all the time. They'll even fight against each other all the time. But when it comes to groups that are sponsored by Iran yeah. uh, very directly, of which Hezbollah and Hamas are two of the main ones, but even the Houthi rebels in Yemen are another group, um, there's, quite a, um, there's quite a network, actually, across the region of Iranian-sponsored terror groups. Uh, we tend to forget that that's part of that that world, too, that these groups are still there. They still pose threats, and maybe they don't pose a direct threat uh, to the American, um, you know, the American homeland, but they certainly pose a, a very real threat to to Israel. And that's what we discovered a couple of weeks ago. And, and like you, I'm still kind of like in shock that it's been two weeks because it, it's felt like a bit of a time warp that yeah. it's just this. Every story coming out, it's just this unfolding, um, this this unfolding atrocity uh, as we keep hearing stories about uh, Hamas and how they attacked, the brutality with which they treated their victims, um, the the numbers of uh, hostages keep uh, continues to grow. It seems, at least, it's what it felt like in the first week. And so, yeah, I'd say we're still it really fog of war, and I think that's kind of what makes it feel like a weird time warp of, wow, could it really be two weeks? Uh, but it's also because a lot's happened. Um, I, at this point, as of today, uh, the IDF is you know, still working on readying, readying its forces to uh, for an eventual incursion into uh, Gaza, what that looks like, the extent of it uh, is still, I think, um, unclear. Uh, where a lot of American diplomacy has been focused has been on just trying to open up some kind of humanitarian aid corridor uh, with Egypt, because Egypt actually shares a land border with uh, with Gaza. Uh, but actually, uh, while America and Israel have agreed on getting humanitarian aid into the southern end of Gaza, uh, it's actually been uh, Egypt that's been digging in its heels a little bit, and um, it's really slowed down the aid. So the story has been that aid uh, from around the world is kind of piling up there at the one border crossing between Egypt and Gaza. And so while you hear stories about a humanitarian catastrophe, that's the word that uh, the U.N.'s been using and a lot of other world leaders uh, unfolding in Gaza. That's certainly true. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of groups trying to use that Hamas, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood, Iran. They're going to use that for propaganda to say, like, see how inhumane uh, Israel is. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a very complex situation. Uh, Israel's given directions for people to clear the area. They've asked um, the, they've uh, told uh, Gazans in the northern uh, part of the Strip to leave, that they're coming in there, and Gazans are trying to leave. Reports are Hamas is not letting them leave. And then you have these other countries like Egypt, uh, you know, uh, slow peddling 
um, getting humanitarian aid into the south of Gaza as people, you know, as refugees flood into and pack into that southern end. So it really is a humanitarian mess. It is a really humanitarian disaster. I think we need to actually uh, wrestle with that even as we uh, keep our eye on the security situation. Do you think Democrats are ever surprised to find out that other countries have borders? (laughs) right like like egypt's like we don't want you here we have borders we we are nationalists it's not just just egypt jordan has said the same thing i think king abdullah ii who's uh the king of uh, jordan um more or less said the same thing like we we're not taking um palestinians in Uh, at least he said that this week that was one of the last quotes i saw from him so uh, and, and that has its own that has its own challenges we can we can dive into why neighboring Arab countries wouldn't want to take in additional Palestinian refugees. They already have pretty large Palestinian uh, populations in those countries. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, I actually made that same statement to my students at Biola this, this last uh, week is that, you know, I think, uh, I I think Democrats are going to be a little surprised that some countries care about their borders. Um, And yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I think they will be surprised. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the general operating assumption is, well, if people need help, you let them into your country because that's what America has done. That's what many European countries did do. Uh, they, you know, but they've been rolling up their welcome mats, not just for um, refugees from the Middle East, but even now as the Ukrainian war has um, has continued, uh, there's even been you know, border tensions over that. And uh you know, how far do we go in taking in refugees? That's a real challenge for any country. And, um, yeah, just kind of starting with an assumption that, uh, that you know, we can just absorb X number, uh, whatever number of refugees for any country. Come is, on in. Uh, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty naive statement. Um, countries are like human beings, right? They're, they're groupings of human beings. Uh, human beings are limited. The countries that they establish live in and try to organize are also limited, have limited resources, have limited capacity. Um, so there's there's real limitations that are involved um, with it, which, you know, yeah, is definitely not. I think we're running up against that right now. I think uh, certainly the Biden administration is running up against that. And they're realizing that, oh, yeah, not everybody's got our resources. Not everybody's got our um, our, I guess, open hearts, open, open, open hearts, open borders kind of thing. But um but you know, that's just a fact on the ground, and you have to work with that. I wonder, too, first of all, we're talking with Tim Malash. He's a professor at Biola University, adjunct faculty in Biola's political science department. You know, there's, there's also just, I, I think other nations understand that there are different values in different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. right? And right. Uh, this was kind of Yoram Hazoni's great contribution this last few years, the Israeli political philosopher. It's like, not everybody shared your values. Uh, right. And conservatives are looking at, you know, what happened in Afghanistan and going, we we spent trillions of dollars, 20 years and a lot of soldiers blood to try to bring democracy to a country that when we left three days later, threw all the girls out of their schools um, mm-hmm. there, they have different values and you can't just allow people to come in that aren't willing to assimilate into your culture uh, and create little kind of you know, neighborhoods that, that don't buy into the values of that country. That creates problems. And it's crazy that Egypt and Jordan and others recognize that, but uh, some of our political leaders here don't. All right, Jeff Hunt, 
interviewing Tim Malash on the Frontier Freedom Hour. We're up against a commercial break, so we'll be right back. You're not going to miss it. We're going to get some updates on Israel, and we're going to talk about Biden's national address. So stick around through these messages. We'll be right back. <laughs> 